As Kieran said before, we're in the middle of a series on looking for a leader, considering 1 Samuel chapter 16 to 23. And today we're looking at 1 Samuel 20, this amazing story of David and Jonathan. So far we've seen Samuel anoint David, David defeat Goliath, Jonathan, King Saul's son, form a covenant with David, and Saul try multiple times to kill David. And so we come to the passage that we're considering today, which I reckon is about mateship and kingship. Mateship and kingship. Often when this passage is considered, the friendship between David and Jonathan is what's spoken about. After all, in our Pew Bibles, um, it's titled The Friendship of David and Jonathan. And it's definitely a solid, precious, rich example of friendship. No lovey-dovey friendship, blood and tears, we give our life for one another kind of friendship. Faithful to the end friendship. The kind of friendship that in our Australian culture we would often refer to as mateship. But it's about more than friendship, more than mateship. It's also about kingship. That's more subtle in this story, but so significant and so powerful. And not about the kingship of King Saul, but rather about Jonathan, the heir to the throne, recognising, giving himself to and submitting to the one he recognised as God's anointed king and making sacrificial choices based on that reality. Mateship and kingship. Let's have a look at the story. David had gotten away from the last time that Saul had tried to kill him and he'd come before Jonathan. Jonathan, who is King Saul's son, but had also made a covenant before God with David. Jonathan had already checked out his father's intentions to to kill David once and had got an agreement from him that Saul wouldn't kill David seems here that he's still believing that agreement with his father and that he hadn't been privy to the attempts to kill David that we know about from chapter 19. Jonathan seems rather naive about his father's intentions to kill David in his response to David early in this chapter. He believes what he's heard from his father and also he believes that his father would tell him if it was otherwise. But David says to Jonathan, your father knows about our friendship and so of course he's not going to tell you about his desire to kill me. Having heard David's view of this, Jonathan says, whatever you say, I will do for you. Then David outlines his plan. There's a festival coming up that he's expected to be at both because he's Saul's son-in-law and because he's a key warrior. 
David suggests that he won't attend that and that Jonathan gauges Saul's intentions by his response to David's absence. Jonathan agrees to that and then before arranging how he'll signal the response to David, Jonathan asks David to show faithful love to him and his family. Then they make a plan about how Jonathan will signal Saul's response to David. David then hides in a field and the festival happens. It amazes me that Saul would think that David would be present after his attempts to kill him, but he clearly does. On the first day, Saul notices David is missing, but assumes that there's a legitimate reason for that. But on the second day, he asks Jonathan about David's absence. Jonathan responds, giving the explanation that David and he had agreed, and then Saul loses it. And he loses it with Jonathan. Saul sees Jonathan's friendship and allegiance with David and it makes him furious. Saul throws his spear at Jonathan, aiming to strike him, just as he'd done at David in the previous chapter. And then Jonathan knew that his father's intention was to kill David. So Jonathan went out and kept his agreement with David showing David that Saul's intentions were indeed to kill him. And then after the boy who was shooting the arrows, which were the signals to David left, David and Jonathan met, wept and embraced before they went in their separate directions. What a story. A story of recognising and living out mateship, and kingship. Mateship. There are deep signs of friendship all over this story. A costly laying down your life kind of friendship, as well as the tenderness of deep brotherly love. David comes to Jonathan and makes a huge request. You'd only ask that of someone you were in a deep relationship with. And throughout, David and Jonathan give themselves to one another. There are specific references to and strong allusions to the covenant before God that exists between them. There are requests from both of them for the other to deal kindly and in faithful love towards them. There's a recognition of their strong relationship from Saul. There's their kissing and weeping at the end of the story. There's each of their living into their commitments to one another in this story and also later in this book. But more than all of that, We see the depth of this mateship in Jonathan's risking his life to see if David's life is in danger. Well, initially he didn't think that there was really anything to worry about 
It's pretty clear that by the time he went to the festival, he did see a serious potential risk. And yet he was willing to take that risk for the sake of his friend. He was willing to choose his friend over his father. Choosing his friend over his life and his father. That's mateship. That's the kind of greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friend. It's that kind of mateship that we see ultimately exemplified in Jesus, but that we also see in the legends in our Australian war stories and others. It's that kind of costly mateship that we see exemplified all over this story and in the relationship of David and Jonathan. It's definitely a story about friendship, about mateship. But it's more than that. It's a story about Jonathan recognising, submitting to and giving everything for God's anointed king. The mateship and friendship in this story is amazing and touching. But the recognition of David, of Jonathan, of David as God's anointed future king and his response to that is absolutely powerful. But it's a bit more subtle than the friendship theme. You need to remember that we have more information about God's plan than Jonathan had here. And not just because of what we know into the future. We've seen that Samuel anointed David, which Jonathan probably didn't know about. But he did know what he'd seen. And he'd entered into a covenant with David before God and done a range of things acknowledging him as God's intended future king. And that's what we see here again. We especially see it in his statement in verse 13 and 14, where he says, May the Lord be with you as he's been with my father. And where Jonathan asks David to show faithful love to him and his family. We clearly see that Jonathan's Jonathan's recognition of David as God's intended future king. Now this recognition would have been amazing from anyone, but this is recognition of David as God's choice to be the future king from the person who was the heir to the throne. It's actually that which was one of the things that angered Saul so much. He couldn't believe that Jonathan would align himself with someone who threatened his right to the throne. So I'm sure many of you are aware, probably better than me, it's easier, it's easy to get our worth from living vicariously through children or here from the thought of his line of kingship continuing. The thought of Jonathan, his son through whom this would be possible, 
aligning with the one who, because of God's choice, was threatening that, made Saul furious. And ironically, in his anger, he almost killed Jonathan himself. Such is the way that we go when we choose to try and make our own way rather than live within God's plan. Not only did Jonathan recognise that David was God's choice to be king and willingly lay down his right to the throne, he submitted himself to David. There's lots of ways we see that in this passage. He put aside his own thoughts of what his father was planning and listened to David. He went with David's plan and followed through on it. He asked for David's faithful love. Jonathan, the heir to the throne, submitted himself to the one who was God's choice of king. And amazingly, He gave everything to this one who was God's choice of king. He stood by David and defended David to his father and ultimately chose his relationship with David rather than his relationship with his father when he had to choose. This is not some rebellious son we see here. At every point, we see Jonathan as a loyal son, except when it came to him having to choose between David, the one who was God's chosen king, and his father. Then Jonathan chose David. And Jonathan chose David at the risk of his own life. He knew the volatility of his father, even if we earlier saw him as somewhat naive. And Jonathan continues to advocate for David in the situation with his father, even when Saul was clearly against David and against Jonathan's relationship with him. This leads to Jonathan's life being at risk in one of the exact same ways that David's life had been at risk. Jonathan recognised David as God's chosen king. He submitted to him and he gave everything that mattered for his relationship with David. The protection of his future kingship, his relationship with his father, and he even risked his own life. Mateship and kingship. The mateship and kingship we see here points to the ultimate friend and the ultimate king. Jesus, the one who David is the ancestor of, the one who is ultimately God's chosen and anointed king. I love the friendship that we see between David and Jonathan. The mutuality and giving of themselves to one another, despite what they know about themselves and their place in the world, is stunning and humbling. Their regard for one another, their trusting themselves to one another, 
and they're giving themselves to one another. It's all precious and unique. And it's the kind of relationship that we're offered with the one who is the king of the universe because of his ultimate giving of himself on the cross. Greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. That's the kind of friend that Jesus is, one who lays down his life for us and offers us a deeper friendship with him than we see between David and Jonathan. This friendship that we see between David and Jonathan is also the kind of friendship or mateship that we're called to in the church. As brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, a humble service of one another, a putting each other before ourselves, a looking out for one another, deep regard for one another, trusting ourselves to each other and giving ourselves to one another, a laying down our lives for each other. Jonathan's a great example of what it is to be a follower of the ultimate king, Jesus. Jonathan recognised the king for who he was, he submitted to him, and he gave everything for his relationship with him. So followers of Jesus recognise Jesus as the ultimate king. He's our friend, but he's also the king of the universe and the Lord and king of our lives. We recognise him as such. Followers of Jesus submit to him as king. We entrust ourselves to his salvation and protection recognising that we need it. We listen to what he says and we follow what he says, recognising that what he says is good, but also recognising that as king, he has the right and authority to give directions. And followers of Jesus give everything for our relationship with our king. He has given everything for us. Like Jonathan, followers of Jesus give up our own right to the throne of our lives and give that place to the rightful owner, King Jesus. Like Jonathan, followers of Jesus put our relationship and submission to this king before any other relationship or thing. And like Jonathan, followers of Jesus will be prepared to go to the extent of risking their physical lives or the things that feel like the very core of their lives for the sake of their relationship with their king. We have the opportunity for deep, intimate friendship with the king of the universe because of the life that he laid down for us. Do you have that friendship? 
Do you know Jesus as your friend and mate in the full Australian sense of that word? Are you living in the intimacy of the friendship that he offers? And have you acknowledged Jesus as king? Are you living a life of submission to him? Are you giving up everything that gets in the way of your relationship with him as king? Jesus longs for us to know him as friend and king. And we can, by recognising our need of him, believing that he laid down his life for us and by surrendering our right to the throne of our own lives. And for those of us who know him as friend and king, he longs for us to grow closer, to live and grow in the friendship and intimacy that is already ours and to continue to grow in our recognition of him as rightful king and to lay aside anything in our lives that gets in the way of that. David and Jonathan, mateship and kingship. Jesus, our friend and king. Amen.